is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. If you and I want to compete in the Olympics, um, there's some certain things we've got to do to have success. First of all, we have to have natural talent, right? Uh, however, that being said, natural talent is probably not enough to help you win in the Olympics. You need something else. And that something else is that you're going to need to put in hours of training. If you want to win the Olympics, you've got to take your natural talent and you've got to add to it hours upon hours of, of training. And training involves spending time practicing your sport, but it involves more than that. It involves training your body with nutrition and, and training yourself in high level stress competition because it's one thing to comp- compete at an amateur level. It's going to be another. The pressure is going to be something else when you're competing at that sort of level. You'll need to find yourself a coach. You'll need to find yourself a training center. Uh, but again, the biggest adjustments are going to be what it's going to cost you to train. They say that Olympic athletes uh, train, I think it's six days a week, like eight hours a day. They're training for their sport. You sacrifice everything else. You don't get to watch TV like everyone else. You don't go out and eat like everyone else. I mean, I don't mean you don't go out to eat, but you know what I'm saying. You, you, you govern what you eat. You govern your sleep, all of those things. Your habits are affected by your desire, your goal to win the Olympics. If you're going to win them, you're going to compete and you're going to train to get there. Beginning last Sunday and over the next few weeks, I am in the process, hopefully, I want to challenge us to re-energize and reinvigorate and even reboot, if you would, our desire to change the world. And Monk, I, I want to say, you know, I appreciate the, the plug for, for what I'm talking about here, but what I'm talking about is more than just us sharing our faith. I'm trying to get us to, to change our mindset about changing the world and about changing our community. So my desire is that, that through these next few weeks, it will have an impact and an effect and it'll, have a, a, it'll change us so that we want and we will change our community. That's my desire. And I mentioned last week that I don't want to be content with just being an established church. And when I said that, I I said that in the first person, but my desire is that none of you in this room that are a part of this family, that your desire is simply to be an established church and have a a nice building to go to and a a nice, you know, place to be a part of. I, I want us to have more... I want us to have a bigger mindset than that. I, I want us to have a mindset that, that God can use us to transform Surrey and Isle of Wight. I mean, change it. Make it different. He can use us to affect this county and the other one that we're a part of, Isle of Wight, and, and in our community and our neighborhoods. And I said last week that if we're going to change our community, I, I think there's some things that we need to embrace 
And I challenged you to embrace afresh Jesus, our King, to embrace Jesus as our leader. I said, man, if we're going to impact the world, if we're going to impact, let me, let me start, let me change it. If we're going to impact our community and ultimately the world, then we have to impact Jesus. I mean, we have to embrace Jesus as our leader and we have to prioritize that. And I said to some of you, maybe you've never embraced Jesus as your lead. And this is the opportunity, and this is the, this is the hard appeal to you to embrace Jesus. I mean, if you're watching on live stream, this is for you to embrace Jesus. But, but more specifically to you in the room, this is your call to embrace Jesus if you never have. Okay? But you remember I said last week, more importantly, or maybe, more, maybe to the point more in this room, I'm challenging us to, to uh, re-energize our, our embrace of Jesus, to reprioritize it. We talked about, at the end, I mentioned the church at Ephesus who had lost their first love. And I'm saying to all of you, I want us to regain that first love. And I told you that Jesus is worthy of our embrace because of who he is. Remember that? We said he's the king. He's the king who's the son of God, and he's the king who's just like us in that he has taken on our humanity. I said that you should embrace him afresh because of what he's doing, and he's building the church. And he's, and he's building you and me into this, this temple. And he's inviting us to be a participant in that building of his church. And then I said, we should embrace him because of what he's going to do. And I suggested that what he's going to do is raise us from the dead and the gates of Hades will not be, over to over, not be able to overcome us. We shall rise from the dead. So today I have my second challenge. And here's my second challenge. It is that you embrace the training that's going to be necessary for you and me to change our community. I believe there's a training. Just like if you're going to win the Olympics, if we're going to change our community, there is, there is training that we must embrace if we're going to become effective and we're going to be able to accomplish what God has for us. So let me read you a couple of scriptures just to kind of set the foundation for, for this talk. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. You've probably read this before, but let me read it to you. It says, if you point these things, Paul writing to Timothy, his protege, if you point these things out to the brothers and the sisters, Timothy, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, that's a really familiar passage on training, on training for godliness. But what you may not have noticed, and I don't know that I've ever pointed it out before, do you notice the juxtaposing that Paul makes with Timothy between being nourished with words of faith and silly myths? Do you see that? The training is being nourished in words of faith and being nourished, what does he say, by the teaching you have followed. The opposite of that is silly myths. So to, to be, to train in godliness is to be nourished by words of faith and by the teaching that you've received. That's what he says. We find another connection to the same idea in his second letter to Timothy. Paul writes this to him there in chapter 3. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. All scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. So I'm challenging us. I'm saying, listen, if we're going to go back and reclaim this vision, this desire, this, this, this idea that we can actually be transformational as a church and not just be here, but actually change Surrey and Isle of Wight and beyond. 
if we're going to embrace that idea, we've got to embrace the training that God speaks of in these two passages to Timothy. But, but I, so there's a connection between training in truth and training in Scripture. You see that, right? But the first place you see it is not, it's not found where God is, is giving it to us um, as a command. Rather, we find it in a description of the life of the new believers. So we go back all the way to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, um, we have, so the Spirit has come. The Spirit's been poured out on the church. You remember the story. I think we mentioned it last week. But the Spirit has come, and He's fallen on those 120 believers. They file out or run out or rush out of where they are. And the Bible says they're speaking in languages that they've never learned. They're speaking in tongues. And as they're speaking in tongues, people have come from all over the Roman Empire for, for Passover. And they're there. And they're hearing people speak in their languages. And they're like, wow, what in the world? These guys are speaking in my language. How can that be? They must be drunk. Why in the world? Man, I... I I don't know that I've ever been drunk, probably have been in college, but, uh, but one thing, one thing about that, I don't ever remember being able to speak a foreign language when I was drinking too much. Right. And I've never heard a drunk speaking in a foreign language. So why, why they came to that conclusion? I don't know, but, but Peter stands up, remember this? And he preaches and he preaches to all those people that are amazed by hearing praise in their own language. And, and when he's finished preaching, the Bible says 3,000 people believe. 3,000 people say, man, I want to follow Jesus. 3,000 people are making, they're making a difference. And, and I mean, they're, they're changing who they're following. And, uh, and so they begin to follow Jesus. And then right after that, Luke tells us what happens to those new believers. And so it's in verse 42. In verse 42 and verse 43 are going to kind of become the basis, the launching pad, if you would, for the, the talks I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks, the things that I want you to embrace that will help us change the world or change our area, change our community. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. One of the first things that it says that they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. And that's what I want to challenge us to this morning. That's where I believe the training for us comes from. It comes from the apostles' teaching. And uh, so I want to challenge you and me in a fresh new way to become devoted to the apostles' teaching. And uh, so to challenge you this morning and to challenge myself, I have four questions that I want to ask of this verse, eight, uh, 242 in the book of Acts. Uh, I want to I answer the question first, what does it mean to be devoted? And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to say, ask, what is the apostles teaching? And then, and then why did they feel compelled to devote themselves to it? And these will all be on the screen. You don't need to write them down just yet. And then the fourth question is, then, then practically, how do I do that? How do I practically devote myself to the apostles' teaching? So that's, that's our outline for this morning. Let's, let's dive in. What does it mean to be devoted? Now, the word here, I, I think, is used specifically. Notice it doesn't say committed. And you might say, well, Jimmy, you're just hair splitting here. They're not using the word commitment. They're using the word devotion. But, but I think that Luke had a reason for that. I, I think it is because the word devotion carries a, an emotive, a passion side to it, and not just a willful side to it. But let me proceed. The, the original word there that's translated devotion is a compound word in the Greek language. It's the word pros, which means 
toward and katerantes, which is to be strong. So it's to be strong towards. That's literally what the word means. Um, it carried on a range of meanings because of this. Let me give you some of them. To be earnest towards something. To persevere in something. To be constantly diligent in something. To attend diligently to. To give oneself continuously to. To continue in. To wait on continually. Those, that's the range of meaning for the word. All right. Now as I read the word, uh, using our, our kind of um, idioms, I guess. Maybe, yeah, idioms. So the idiom that I thought of that would represent this word mean, would be that they were strongly leaning into the apostles' teaching, right? Because pros means towards, and the other word, kateros, means strongly. So they are strongly leading in to the apostles' teaching. This word wasn't clinical, okay? It, was, it wasn't academic. This word carried emotion with it. It carried passion and dedication with it. And probably that's why the translators chose it. They were trying to say that the people were strongly leaning in to the apostles' teaching and they were doing it from their heart. This morning, I want you and me, by the power of the Spirit, because I, I have no way of manipulating you or changing your heart. I, I've been praying this week, even this morning, that God by His Spirit would just help us change and lean in to the apostles' teaching, strongly lean into their teaching from our heart and be committed to it and passionately committed to it. I, be, I began to follow Jesus in college and one of the things that I remember about those early days for me, and it's been a long time ago, but, but I remember those early days that I was, I was passionate to learn the things of God. I was passionate to know the apostles' teaching. I wanted to learn. So I availed myself of all kinds of ways of learning. And I was learning the Word of God. Fortunately for me, I was in a church where the, the pastor and that church family were committed to the authority of Scripture. And that, that made a big difference in my life because I went to a Methodist-related college. And in this Methodist-related college, I had to take Bible classes. But none of the teachers were committed to the authority of Scripture. So they, they taught the Bible as, a, as an academic book, not believing that God had anything. If, God, if they believed God had anything to do with it, it they just they, they ridiculed it. They dismissed it. They, they disagreed with it. And you know, as God was beginning to get a hold of my heart, and as I was taking these classes, I found myself a defender of the Bible. I mean, I didn't take on that, I didn't take on that role really on purpose. I mean, I just felt like I had to. Now, I've had some brothers over the years, and even at that time, tell me, Jimmy, the Bible, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. God is, His Word is a roaring lion, somebody told me. You don't have to defend it, you have to let it loose. And, uh, you know, I've come to believe that's somewhat true, right? I don't have to defend the Word of God with, with a kind of passion where that I did. I think I should have always defended the Word of God, but, you know, I'd be angry about it, I guess. You know, I remember one of my professors and I had a, just a, this one particular class. I don't remember what the class was, but we had this exchange. And, you know, and um, I had read in my quiet time earlier in the week, Psalm 119.99. Do you know what that verse says? I'm about to tell you. It says, I have more insight than all my teachers. <laughs> and I remember I love that verse in my quiet time, right? 
And so that class was ending. And as it was ending, I, you know, I stopped and I said, Dr. Corvin, I want to leave you with one verse this morning. Psalm 119.99. And I thought I'd just walk out the room, right? He goes, no, wait, 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 let's look it up. So he looks it up and he reads it out loud in the class. And, and you know, I mean, I didn't get a bad grade for that. I think he chuckled at it, right? Here's a little naive 19-year-old Jimmy still believing in the power and the Word of God, right? That it's true and that it has authority and it's from God. And I think he probably chuckled at it. My point, my point in all of that story is simply to tell you as a new believer, I had this passion for the Word of God and I wanted to learn the apostles' teachings. I wanted to know it. So here's a question for you. Is devotion that is leaning hard in towards the Word of God, is that a choice you make? Is that a decision you decide? Or is that something that is emotively driven in your life? Which is it? Is, is it a choice I make or is it a passion that just wells up in me and I can't, I can't help it? I, I just have to have this. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to say it's the latter. I wish it was the latter. Have you ever found that passion is so much easier than, than the, the sheer force of your will? Have you ever noticed that? Some of you that struggle with your weight, you know, don't you love it when God flips the switch? That's my metaphor. He flips the switch and he helps you and all of a sudden you just eat right, you can't help it. You're just all excited, your pounds are coming off. And you ever notice that it, that never lasts though? Right, it doesn't, right? Not, I mean, emotively driven stuff is, is awesome. I mean, there's just, it makes it so much easier, but that is always going to wane. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I believe what I'm asking you is that, I mean, pray for God to flip the switch. So it's emotively driven that you have this passion to know the apostles' teaching and this devotion, this hard leaning into the Word of God. Or the, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. You're, you're leaning hard into the apostles' teaching, right? Pray for that emotive thing. But listen, what I'm asking you is, I'm asking you by the sheer force of your will to do that. Now, some of you inside, you're violently reacting to that, and I get it, because your will is weak and, uh, and it's, you know, and all. But, but listen, it's not just the sheer force of your will. It's the sheer force of your will aided by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we are not alone, everyone. The Spirit of God dwells within us. Michael was talking about the day when talking about, you know, fighting against sin. We are not alone in, in committing the sheer force of our will to lean in to the apostles' teaching. I mean, we have the Spirit of God living within us. We have God himself dwelling with us, never leaving us. Even in the storms, he's never going to leave us. But I'm telling you, in the everyday life, leaning into the, into the apostles' teaching, I mean, he's there with us. So when I say the sheer force of your will, I'm not saying pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, but I am saying you have to lean your will into his and what he desires of you. And, and so I'm asking you this morning, say, listen, if we're going to change the world, if we're going to change our community, it's going to begin by us, it's going to begin by us saying, Lord, I want to be devoted. I want to lean hard into the apostles' teaching. So let's go on to my second question. Well, what is the apostles' teaching? I mean, I've alluded to it a bunch already, but what is it? First of all, we have to answer, answer the question, who are the apostles? Who are the apostles? Right? They, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Who are the apostles? Well, the apostles in this particular case, I, I think, would definitely have been those men who followed Jesus from the very beginning, who were given the mantle by the Lord Jesus to take his teaching and, and to teach it and preach it. 
I, the, the number became bigger than, than just, and the word apostle simply means sent ones, right? But there was a title apostle, and it fell to those early guys who were chosen by Jesus, who said, I've not lost any of you except for Judas. And he said, I'm going to send you guys out. You guys are going to go out, and you're going to, you're going to teach and preach all that I have commanded you. You remember on the mount there before Jesus ascends back into heaven, he says to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them. He's talking to these men, maybe a bigger number, but at least these men. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's that first initial you know, recognition that I follow Jesus. Then he says, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. These men were responsible to take what they had learned from Jesus and teach everyone else. So remember this. Remember when Jesus is about to leave. This is on the night before his death. He's with his disciples. Does anybody remember what he said to them about the Spirit of God? He said, the Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to help you remember everything I've taught you. He's going to bring to your remembrance. And by the way, he's going to teach. He's going to take the things of me. He's going to teach you. This is on the night before Jesus is leaving. He's telling his disciples, yes, you're going to be the teachers, but you're not going to be alone. In the same way I'm saying, lean hard into the apostles' teaching. Let your will lead you there, but you're not alone. The Spirit of God's going to help you. He's saying to them, you're going to teach, but you're not going to be alone. The Spirit of God's going to be right there with you, helping you with all of this, guiding you and teaching you and leading you. And, and so they're to go and teach everything that Jesus had taught them. And you remember when uh, I, I said this last week, when Jesus said, uh, I mentioned it, when Jesus said, you're going to, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Remember that? So, so the, the rabbis of Jesus' day, when they would say something was permissible or something was not permissible, it was, it was said that they were saying it's bound or it's loosed. Okay, if a, if a rabbi said this is permissible, he's loosing it. So in other words, Jesus, I think, is saying to, to Peter and to all the apostles, guys, you've got the responsibility of going out here and, and setting the stage, teaching what the kingdom of God is all about and how to live in that kingdom so that Paul would later on then say, you guys are the foundation of the kingdom. Paul would say that about the apostles, that it was built on the foundation that they laid. What foundation? The foundation of their teaching, the foundation of their lives. They're the ones who are laying the foundation for all that you and I believe. And so this, when it says they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were devoting themselves to these men who were teaching them all that Jesus had taught them. Now, this isn't something that I did, but it's something I read this week, and I wanted to share it with you. I thought it was really kind of cool. Somebody had gone through the book of Acts, and they looked at all the apostolic preaching, right, in the, in the, in the community. And they said, generally, these apostles taught four things in their sermons. Here they are. Here's the first one. And you, you probably, I, I almost figured, I figured it out. And you, you would, too. If I were just, if you were to stop for a minute and say, what do you think they taught when they preached? Here's what they taught and they preached. Four things. They, they taught that the center of their proclamation was always the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So whenever they were preaching, they were preaching that Christ had been crucified, died, buried, but on the third day rose from the dead. Secondly, they taught that there's two witnesses to this. One of them is the Old Testament and the other is us personally. We've seen it. We've touched it. Remember what John said in his first letter? He said, the things that we have experienced by touching and feeling with our own hands and hearing with our own ears and seeing with our own eyes. 
He says these things. So they're saying we're, we're witnesses to this, and the Old Testament is a witness to this as well. And the third thing that they taught in their, in their messages were they, they taught that forgiveness of sin and the promise of the Spirit was coming as a response to what Jesus had done. And the fourth thing that they taught in these, these public proclamations was that there was a response needed from everyone, a response of faith and repentance, a, a, a response of turning from self and sin to Jesus and trusting him. So faith and repentance. That was their outward messages. But listen, in the church, from house to house, they weren't preaching that got that, those four things over and over and over again to the believers. They were preaching that publicly. What they were preaching to the believers, they were teaching what we have in our scriptures, right? They were teaching them everything they needed to know that Jesus had taught them. They were going in great detail when they were teaching. They were teaching them all the things that Jesus had taught them. So, if you're tra uh, tracing me or following, tracking with me, if you're tracking with me, you're, hey, boy, wait a the apostles are dead. Yeah, they are dead. So how do you and I lean into the apostles' teaching? Well, what, what's happened is the apostles' teaching has been written down for us. It's been captured in what we call the New Covenant, part of your Bible, the second part of your Bible. It's, it's divided into two parts, an Old Covenant, what we call Old Testament, and a New Covenant, New Covenant, New Testament. The New Testament is 27 writings. They're mostly letters that the apostles wrote to churches teaching them, okay? Um, so we have mostly letters, but there's, there's four historic books about the life of Jesus, four historical narrative books about his life, about the specific things that he taught and what he did and how he acted and how he behaved. And then there's one historical book that, that counts what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. And there's one book at the end, which is an apocalyptic revelation of what was going to happen to those early believers in the days ahead, soon to come. And then there was going to be things that came at the very end of all time as well. So there's this apocalyptic book. So you and I, how do you and I lean into the, what is the apostles teaching for us? Because we're not there. And by the way, when, when, when the apostles sat down in, in, a, in a gathering of believers and they taught, you know, so, so we have, so we have some of their teachings in some of these things. They, they didn't just read what, what we have recorded for us, right? They spoke in great detail. Do you remember this? Paul said, remember last time I was there, I was talking to you about this, this, and this. We have absolutely no idea what that is because it's not recorded down. It wasn't recorded for us. So we know he talked to them about this subject, but what he said, we don't know what he said. So the apostles were, were often elaborating and going into great detail about the things that Jesus had taught them, things that we don't necessarily have, but we have the apostles' teaching recorded for us. And so what you and I need to do is we need to lean hard into that apostolic teaching that's been recorded for us in our New Testament. Now again, maybe, uh, hopefully you're a thinker and you're thinking with me, and you're probably saying, well, well wait a minute, what, what about, how do we know that what was written down was actually written down by the apostles? And how do we know that whoever wrote it down got it right? And why were these particular 27 books recorded when there's a lot of other things that survived? Why are they not included in that book of 27 books? Well, those are really good questions. I'm not going to tackle them this morning, I will say, and you can poo-poo this, but I will say that I think we have, as Christians, we have sufficient answers to all of those questions. 
the, to the why these 27 books? Was it well recorded? I think we have answers to all of that. But I've said this many times before. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, whatever the evidence, you have to walk through the door by faith. Okay. So, so, so here's my imaginary door. It's always right here. But you know, um, you know, when it comes to believing in Jesus and, and, and following after him, I think the evidence leads you to the door, but you've got to always step through the door by faith. Always. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the evidence is always going to fall short of kicking you through the door. The evidence will take you right up to the door, but you've got to walk through it by faith. And I've said this about the Word of God, too. And, and I don't make any apologies. I'm not minimizing anything. I don't think I'm taking away from the Word of God. But when it comes to the apostles' teaching and what's recorded for us, I believe the evidence is strong that we have what they said recorded accurately for us, transmitted accurately. But at the end of the day, we walk through that door of faith and the word of God and the apostles teach. We're walking through that door by faith as well. And, and that's okay that we do that. But walk through that door. If you've walked through that door and you believe that God has recorded for us the apostles teaching, then listen, if we're going to change the world, you've got to lean into it. And you've got to lean hard into the apostles teaching. You've got to do it by the, by the sheer force of your will. Whether If passion's there, great. But if not by will, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you lean into the apostles' teaching. We'll talk about how to do that in just a second, or ways that you can, ways that you can do that. Let's go to the third question. Why do you think they strongly leaned into the apostles' teaching? Why is it that when the apostles came, everybody came to listen to them teach? Now, I'm, I'm going to speculate here, so forgive me for that. Uh, and, and forgive me only in the sense that it's not recorded for us why they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, why they, why they were so pro that teaching. It doesn't tell us, but I want to suggest, I want to suggest three things. And I think I'll have some biblical support for them, but here's the first one. I believe they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because they wanted to learn everything about Jesus that they could. They wanted to learn everything about Jesus, about who he was, what he said, what he did. They wanted to learn, they wanted to know him better. Now, I, I, came, to this, I came to this speculation or this conclusion because that was my heart when I began to follow Jesus. I wanted to know everything I could about Jesus. I did. I wanted to learn about him. And so I availed myself of, of literally all the opportunities I could to learn more about him. But if you want a biblical illustration, if you want an apostle's heart, listen to the apostle Paul when he wrote to the Philippians. He said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I think that was the heart of all those early believers. And they, they weren't there. They didn't know Jesus. The apostles knew Jesus. So why did they sit? At, why were they leaning into their teaching? Because they were the ones who were going to be able to tell them about Jesus. Who tells you about Jesus? Where do you learn about Jesus? You learn it from the apostles' teaching. You learn it from those first four books of your New Testament. You learn it from all the instructions that they give us in all those other letters. You learn, you learn it from the Revelation. Paul, Paul said, I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. He didn't just want to know Jesus. He wanted to know the power of Jesus in his life. And he wanted to know what it meant to suffer for Jesus too. At church, I was at church all the time because I wanted to learn more about Jesus. Let's look at the next, the next thing I said is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Again, this is Jimmy speculating. I get it. So you can dismiss it if you don't think I'm right. 
But I think they, they leaned into the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to because they wanted to clearly understand what God was doing. Not only did they want to know Jesus, but remember, Jesus was turning everybody's world upside down. And I think they wanted to understand what God was doing and what Jesus was doing. And I'll point, I'll point you to the Berean believers, right? The Berean Jews. So Paul has gone from Thessalonica to Berea. He's told them about Jesus being risen from the dead. And, and what we learn about them is that they went to their Old Testament scriptures to search the scriptures to see if that was true. Is that really what God's doing? Is that really, have we got it wrong all these years? Is that really what God's doing? I, so the Bereans are an example of wanting to know what God is doing. I think that's why they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, because they wanted to understand what God was, was, uh, was saying, was, was doing. You may not realize this, but God wants every one of you to be a theologian. Maybe you don't even know what a theologian is. Um, theology is a compound word, ology, the study of, and theos, God. So theology is the study of God. A theologian is someone who engages in the study of God. Listen, God wants you to be a theologian. God wants you to be devoted to theology. He wants you to study him and understand him. He wants you to know him. And the reason why he wants you to do that is because when you do it, you will discover that he is worthy of your praise. Young people, he is worthy of you giving your life to him and not following after all the other young people who are just wanting to find their way in the world on their own. And I, I get it, I was young. I, I, was, I was young and I can remember. And it's, there's a temptation about being on your own and just following your peers. Listen, study God and study Jesus because you will find he is worthy for you to follow him from a very early age. You don't need to follow everybody else. You can follow Jesus. Man, if I could only go back and say, man, from a young person, I loved Jesus and I followed after him. Be a theologian so you know and understand what God is doing. You, you be your own theologian. Here's the third reason I think they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to love God in faithfulness. You know, maybe this is the biggest one. They wanted to know what the apostles said Jesus said so that they could be faithful to God, so they could love God appropriately, so they could do what God wanted them to do. Remember, Jesus said, go and teach them all. What does he say? Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them to observe, teach them to do, teach them to live out faithfulness to me. So I think, I think they leaned in hard to the apostles' teaching because they wanted to be faithful to Jesus. They wanted to be faithful to God. So here, here's my word for all of us this morning, not just to you, to me too. So here it is. Embrace the training of the apostles' teaching so that you can learn about who Jesus is, so that you can get to know Jesus like never before. What was he like? Get to know his love, his compassion, how he treated people, how he loved his enemies, his desire for righteousness. So you see, as you get to know Jesus, you get to know all these things about him. I'm going to, the, the apostles' teaching is going to teach you about God's plan and his working. Why, why did Jesus die? Do you know that? Why did he have to die? 
What, what, was, what was God doing through Jesus? What is the kingdom of God about? How do you get to play a part? What is my part? Lean into the apostles' teaching so you can learn what God is doing. And then lean into the apostles' teaching hard, everyone, so that you and I can be faithful to the Lord. So that we can rid ourselves of wrong worldviews. So we can rid ourselves of wrong ideas. And we can think like Jesus and act like Jesus and serve like Jesus and love like Jesus and be like Jesus. I mean, that comes because we lean into the apostles' teaching. Paul told the church at Rome, he said... Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? You know the verse. Be transformed, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about. How do we transform the world? So we can be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. Now, he doesn't tell us how we renew our mind. How do we renew our mind? Well, we renew our mind through the apostles' teaching. We renew our mind by, by looking at what God says and learning what God says. Last question, practically, how do we strongly lean into the apostles' teaching to the Word of God? And don't forget my point. My point is that we change our community, that we, that we be used by God to be transformational. So how do we do that? I'm suggesting that we embrace the training of the apostles' teaching. So how do we do that? Well, I, I've got three things, three practical steps for us. All right, here's the first one. Grasp the three reasons that I told you a minute ago that they leaned in and you lean in for the same reason. You say, well, that's redundant. That's cheating, Jimmy. I know it is, but I'm sorry. It's still true. Accept, accept that there's value in knowing Jesus. Accept that it's important for you to understand what God is doing. Accept that you can renew your mind so that you can behave and be and follow and obey and love Jesus in your, in your actions. Grasp the reason why they leaned into the Word of God, and you lean in for the same reasons. That is, I believe, how we practically apply. If you don't buy into those reasons, and I mean, if there's other reasons that you can think of, I'd welcome you after the service. Say, Jimmy, you missed one. Here's another reason to lean in hard to the Word of God or the Apostles' teaching. But I tell you, those three are enough. And if you and I will grasp them and lean in for those reasons, I believe God's going to change our minds, renew our minds. But here's the second one. Choose to consistently read or listen to your Bible read. I mean, I've told you this before, but we live in amazing times, don't we? I mean, for two millennia, believers didn't have a copy of their own. Just about two millennia, believers didn't have a copy of their own Bible. Just, just about two millennia. It's only been in the last 200 years, I'd say, that people began to have copies of the apostles' teaching of their own, right? They would always go and listen to a teacher teach them. But now we have copies. Not only do we have one copy, we have lots of copies. Lots of translations of their, of their teaching to help us understand it better. And we have it audibly, so it can be read to us as well as, as read. So, you know, if you've never read your Bible, let me, let me encourage you this morning to lean in to doing that, to read your Bible through or listen to it read to yourself. There's no shame in that. For years, that's how, that's how the church heard the Word of God, heard the apostles' teaching. It was read to them. So let it be read to you. If, you, if you're not a good reader, you're not a strong reader, you don't like to read, let, let, let it be read to you. You can let it be read to you. But um, so if you haven't read through the Bible, I'd say begin begin there. I would encourage you every year to read through the New Testament. Read through the New Testament at least every year or let it be read to you. You can let it be read to you while you're driving, while you're walking. You can, you know, you can, you can have that happen all the time. So I, I would say, hey, let the Word of God begin to get in you through reading it. But the third thing I'd say, and this is it, let, let Bible teachers help you systematize and organize the apostles' teaching. 
Now, I've said this already before, but um, the apostles, when they taught, they didn't just teach what you have written down in, in the apostles' teaching. Don't you wish we had audible recordings? Paul, how long did Paul teach in the book of Acts? How long did he teach when the guy fell out the window and died? Anybody remember? He taught all night long. All night long. Sounds like a good idea to me, we all think. <laughs> I'm kidding, I don't think I could do that. But Paul taught all night long, and the guy falls out the window because he falls asleep, right? Taught all night long. And, and that's recorded to us for us in about a paragraph this big. What did he teach all night long? He systematically taught them what I'm, what I'm saying right here. So um, there's so much more detail. Um, what am I trying to say here? I'm, I'm trying to say God gave us apostles to give us the apostles' teaching. But now he's given us teachers to help us systematize what teaching we have so that we can have a bigger picture of all that God is doing. Paul alludes to this when, when he says, there's things I told you that, remember this? He, he alludes that there's more to it. Jesus himself, after, after his resurrection, Luke 24, it says, Jesus began in the Old Testament and explained to his disciples the things that were written about himself in all the scriptures. Sat down from beginning to end, all the way through the Old Testament, helping them understand. God gave us apostles to give us the teaching of Jesus, but he's given us teachers to help us systematize that and understand it better and, and, and to figure out how it all works together. They leaned into their teaching. I would say we need to lean in to the teaching of the Bible teachers that God has given us in the church. And I don't necessarily mean in our church. I mean in the church. Because we live in a day that the church, you, you, you every one of you in this room, every one of you on live stream, you, you have such an opportunity to hear the best Bible teachers in all the world. Just with the flick of a button on your computer or on your phone, if you have a smartphone. So we have an opportunity to listen to some great teachers. So here, here's what I'd say. I would say start with your church family on Sunday morning as a place to begin to listen to the Word of God systematically taught to you. And again, I, you know, this seems self-serving since I'm the primary teacher in our, in our family. And I don't mean it that way. Um, but but this is, I think this is the place to begin for us to learn, to systematize the Scripture and understand it uh, as, as a whole. This morning when I was practicing this, I decided to say this, and, and, I, and I'm saying it not to, not to uh, manipulate, I promise you I'm not, but I just, I just want to express my heart. It's so hard for me to do this, but it grieves me so, it grieves me so that we as believers have so marginalized our gathering as a church family. And I don't, I don't mean Bacon's Castle, I just mean in the church, in the Western church, We've so marginalized our gathering. It's a take it or leave it. It's whether I feel like it. Do I have anything better to do? Oh, I don't have anything better to do. I'll be involved with the church this morning. They say today that being faithfully involved with, with a church family is, I think it's two out of four Sundays, or maybe it's one out of four Sundays you're now considered to be faithfully involved in a church family. Uh, I tell you, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I just want you to hear my heart. And it grieves me because maybe, maybe I'm old school. Maybe it's because I'm a baby boomer and it was just different. I don't know. But when I read my Bible, faithfulness to the gathering where the scripture was central 
really just seemed to be the norm of the New Testament. So that's what I think. This, if I'm asking you to lean into the apostles' teaching, one of the things I'm asking you to do is lean into our weekly gathering. Not just because of this teaching time, but lean into the gathering because of how you can encourage one another and how you can love one another and how you can be involved in each other's lives. Listen, there's things that are going to happen in the gathering that just not going to happen outside of the gathering. You're going to learn things because somebody's going to be sitting in their, in their seat crying and you're going to go over and say, what's wrong? And they're going to tell you things that you'd never hear if you're somewhere else. So I'm telling you, people, that this is the place to begin. But, but, then, but then I want to go further than that. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to lean in further to the apostles' teaching than, than just even reading or just the Sunday morning time. I'm asking you to be devoted to lean in hard, to have a, have a passion about it, that I want to learn more. And if you're a reader, there's lots of books out there that can help you. Uh, you know, I used to be more of a reader than I am now. And it's, you know, I, um, to my shame, I wish I was a better reader. I wish I was more reading than I, than I am. I have a pastor friend who puts me to shame, reading all the time. And I know why I'm not reading. I'm watching too much TV. That's, a, that's the Lord rebuking me in my heart. But books are a great way to, that you can lean into the apostles' teaching. You can take some of the best guys and, and you can go at your own pace and listen as they help you systematize the scripture. But another thing that you can do in this day is you can just listen to the best Bible teachers in the world all over. You can just listen to them on podcasts. You can listen to them on YouTube. And, and you can stretch yourself. You can learn. I would encourage you to add some of that to your life as so you're daily, not maybe, maybe daily is too much. So weekly, beyond, beyond the weekly gathering, I'm asking you to maybe weekly devote yourself to something where you're leaning in harder to the apostles' teaching. If you need some help with that, I mean, I can help you with that. Others can help you with that. So there you have it. I'm finished. If we're going to change the community, we need to grow as followers of Jesus and to be growing. We need to be devoted to the training that comes through the apostles' teaching. So I want you to do this. How do I motivate you to do that? How do I motivate you and me to lean in hard? Here's, here it is. I can't. All I can do is encourage you. That's it. But there is one who can help us. You know who that is, right? It's the Spirit. He can help us. He, he can convict us and convince us and persuade us that we should be devoted to the apostles' teaching. That we should lean in hard, lean in strong to their teaching. And so let's pray. Spirit, fall fresh on us this morning, right here in this moment. Spirit, would you just... Bring conviction to our heart. Flip the switch in our lives, Lord, where there's, a, there's a, an emotive passion that rises up in us. And we say, God, we want to be like those early followers who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And yes, Lord, we, we, we don't have the apostles in person. We don't have the filling out of their teaching as they did, you know, so often, I'm sure. But we have what you've left us, and it is sufficient, and it is enough. Father, I want to pray for myself and for all of us that we would, that you would, by your Spirit now, help us rise from this place this morning when we leave with a desire to grow in our theology, to grow as theologians, to, to, to understand 
to know you better, understand you more clearly, and then to live faithfully to you. So God, help us. Spirit, help us. Fall fresh on us now. Bring conviction. Bring desire in our hearts. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.